Well, Drew is so excited to have his episode air. (laughs) (laughs) He was asking me like every couple days. (laughs) Yeah, no, it must have been. Well, he he what he had to wait two weeks, right? Yeah, two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. And I'm Gold Eagle Jake. Disappointed, Gold Eagle Jake. Why? (laughs) You're disappointed. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm excited, actually. This is is, uh, my first drink since I had knee surgery. A week ago, oh, so geez. I'm excited to get back into it. And uh, if you're watching, if you're one of the five video watchers, you can see that I'm kind of laying down and slumped up right now. <laughs> so you're just sorry, being Neil. casual. <laughs> <laughs> I am being casual. That too. <laughs> so within the last month, you've had ACL surgery. I've had back surgery, which makes other Jake the de facto best athlete of the group, which is the first and probably only time this has ever happened. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I Jake almost, also had a I, baby. Yeah, I did. So, so uh, well, you did that. I mean, no, that'd I be did, bigger I news if you not. had it. Well, <laughs> yeah. we don't know for sure, but yes, he's, he's got a baby in his house now. So that's a lot of, that's a lot to take on too. Yeah. We've, we've all got some big things going on. I think uh, this will actually be my first drink in like two weeks also. Wow. No celebration so. pour? Uh, oh, that I had Jack Fonded Rye, but I had like two mm. sips of it the other night. You have <laughs> all that high-end stuff and you went with a $35 <laughs> pour. Uh, yeah, because it's uh, – well, we'll get there at the end of the year, but <laughs> it's <laughs> – it's either, like my number, job. it's either my number one or number two whiskey of the year. We'll see. Jesus. Mm. I just ruined that, that episode, but that's okay. I uh, think we so... all knew. <laughs> you were mad of, that I picked uh... Jack Bonded last year, so now you had to have Jack Bonded ride to get your vindication this year. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's good. But speaking of that, uh, today we are talking about daily drinkers and the relevance of them uh, as we're moving into... Um, I, I don't know, deeper into the bourbon boom, I guess would be the way to describe it. Um, as bourbon's evolving. Yeah. It, there's, uh, just so much product available. Uh, is there really a necessity for daily drinkers with all the variety that's available? I think it's kind of the question that we're posing, uh, to each other. Um, on top of that, we also have a couple samples from Barrel that we're going to be trying, part of their cask finish series, uh, Tale of Two Islands, and their Amberana finish. Um, Dan's got the bottles up right now. Um, Look, at these that. Are, Look at that production value. These are the uh, first and second of the cask finish series releases, I believe. Um so it'll be interesting to try those. Um, and then Jake has feelings about the new uh, lower proof barrel bourbon release that we'll probably talk about because um, it seems to be aimed as being a daily drinker. Um, so let's uh, just jump into it, I guess. 
So I guess for daily drinkers, like what are we all classifying as a daily drinker? So what 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 puts them in the category of a daily drinker? Is there a specific specific well, like price point, proof point, anything I'm like so, that that we're looking at? I, th- I think nowadays, like people would consider a daily drinker something super affordable and easy to find, something that's enjoyable yeah. that you can just pick off the shelf anytime you want, um, and it doesn't break the bank. Right, something you can have a pour of every day, and it's not going to cost you much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think I want to go back even further and just add that I think the definition of daily drinker has changed dramatically um, in the last probably 20, 30 years. Because, um, mm-hmm. of course, we have a lot more options out there now, and people want to explore and taste different things every time they're drinking whiskey. Um, but it used to be coming from a liquor store standpoint, we would have people come in once a month, buy a case of early times handles, buy a case of Jim Beam white label handles. And that was like true daily drinkers. Like people were mm-hmm. stuck on their bourbon. They didn't drink anything else. Um, and I think that's where the term kind of started back then. Yeah. It's like when I, when I think of a daily drinker, I think of something like old granddad, not even the bonded version, just like pure old granddad. So something that's like, uh, you know, like a 10 or $12 bourbon that's always available um, is decent, but not necessarily like going to blow you away. Um, you just want something, you know, to get the job done after a long day of work. Uh, it's a little bit stronger than light beer or something like that. Uh, but um yeah, I think it's definitely shifted. Um, I think today, if you ask somebody uh, if Basil Hayden was their go-to daily drinker, they'd probably laugh at you. Um, <laughs> I think most people are looking for a higher uh, quality and depth of flavor and uh, complexity and things like that, even even as their their go-to. Yeah, I, so, I mean, kind of on my side of things, probably since summer, I've noticed that when I come home from work or if I'm just sitting around and want a quick drink and I'm just by myself, I've usually been going to the bottom shelf, um, which for me, I've been working through some very old Barton. I've been working through some early times, some old granddad and um, 1776 uh, as well. Um, even going through just our whiskey acres bottle and bond is kind of been the stuff I've been going to when we all have decent collections. I've noticed that I have some of the nicer stuff I have. I've hardly even touched unless there's people over anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I know, I know gold Eagle Jake would love this, but for example, my, uh, since my back is non-functioning, I had my neighbor cut my grass for me the other day. (laughs) So he came over and he's a whiskey guy and I didn't know what to pour him, but I was going to grab bottom shelf. And he had never had Elijah 18, and man, did he love his Elijah 18. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's it's good. Everybody on this podcast hates on it, but... <laughs> Not everybody. Not everybody. Just one person really hates on it. If, if you got money to spend 200 bucks on a 90-proof <laughs> watered-down, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I've been using it for when people are over. I just usually go to the better stuff. Um, I poured them that. We poured some uh, old elk double double wheat. 
a couple other things, but it's, it's the more I've had it, I enjoy that stuff and I would like to drink it all the time, but I like to have those harder to find more expensive bottles more or less when other people are here. So it's just not me drinking expensive whiskey by myself and dropping a tear in my Glen Karen. So I usually <laughs> stick to the cheap shit now. Yeah. It's, it's not as much fun to drink like special bottles by yourself. It's more fun to share them. Yeah, it's definitely more fun to share, but I, I will add that I don't I I don't think I really like there's bottles I consider daily drinkers, but I don't really like always keep one or two bottles and go to pour it consistently. Um, mm-hmm. I find like almost every time I want to drink whiskey, I, you know, reach for something different because um, I'm more into picking out the flavors and experiencing a certain whiskey than just having a drink just to have a drink. Yeah, and that's. And I think. Uh, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not drinking like Pappy Van Winkle or like Antique Collection when I just want to have a drink. But um, <laughs> you know, a good single barrel of Knob Creek or uh, you know a, a Castle and Key Rye barrel proof, like something, something with a little more to it. Um, I usually mm-hmm. find myself going for than just the average bottom shelf bottle. Yeah, and that's, and I, and that's I something think... that um, I, I'd be interested if we did, like, a listener poll um, on, like, if someone's going to have a drink on a weeknight, are we talking about one single drink or are you having multiple drinks? Because I, I think a shift towards, like, just having one dram could be happening where if you're just going to have one, then you want to really experience it and savor it and pick something that's more interesting and um you know, more in the realm of like a single barrel or um you know something more complex that you're run of the mill uh you know bottom shelf bourbon yeah yeah i i i'm i i see that point i don't have any problem with that point i just it's I, mean, I think part of it's my ocd too is like when i open a bottle anymore i like to get through it so i'll just keep pouring that bottle for a while until it's gone and get it off the shelf and have a nice space for something else new to come in because i'm trying to not have to have any more shelves in my house so usually my daily drinkers are, are that bottom <laughs> row and i just keep alternating stuff off that bottom row to see what i like yeah. um, meanwhile jake's buying whiskey while we're talking right now yeah, <laughs> he, he, I bought one from the buying <laughs> shelves every time we record. There's a new shelf. <laughs> yeah. He he had me pick him up a bottle today when I was at a store. So oh, that's true. <laughs> I I did get that today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I I should add like we we do still have people that come in and buy cases of handles of early times and various items like that just like old brands and just buy handles of it. Um, and it's always, it's always an older person, you know, it's never the mm-hmm. young person that is buying whiskey to drink like that. So a lot of those daily drinkers, I think we're going to start to see, um, you know, the sales on those kind of hurt. And I think the only thing that's really like holding that stuff together, um, is, uh, bars and restaurants and cocktail scene. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think we've talked about this before. Where like the uh, the impression of bourbon for a long time was that it was like your grandpa's drink, 
and uh right. especially you know during the big lull in like the 70s and 80s um where interest probably bottomed out on bourbon because it was viewed as this like old timey kind of thing um but it, it is interesting now to compare it uh where uh, I, I would even say that like some of those staples are still viewed as like, oh, that's like grandpa whiskey, <laughs> like, you know, um, rather than like, uh, it, maybe it's just because it's always there. Nobody's really interested in it. Um, but, I don't yeah. necessarily agree with that. And and I'm thinking of like the prime example I'm thinking of right now is Gentleman Jack versus all of the new stuff that Jack's come out with. Mm-hmm. Is for a long time Gentleman Jack was the high end Jack and yeah. that was a nicer bottle of whiskey to have. I don't but but was it ever considered a daily drinker? Or are you saying I, now that's true. It's more that's true. Because I would um, think the regular Jack would be the daily, and the yeah. gentleman would be like, "All right, I'm having people over. I want to impress them. We're drinking gentleman Jack." Yeah. Also, if you're having people over and you want to impress them, don't pour gentleman Jack. <laughs> well, I'm uh, talking 15 years ago when we didn't have all these yeah, options that we have ago, now. You would have. Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, so, like, I guess, like, when I think of you know daily drinkers, maybe. 10 years ago, you'd put like early times we've talked about old granddad. We've talked about, uh, maybe wild Turkey, wild, wild Turkey, Turkey 101, Canadian um, club, Canadian club. Yeah. Um, you know, Seagram's like those were all daily drinkers to <laughs> 10, 20 years ago. People would buy those in case quantities and take them home and come back to the liquor store in a month or two when they run out. Um, and now like, I think just the daily drinker, for the average bourbon person, if you have one, has kind of upgraded a little bit to like a Basil Hayden or to like a Knob Creek nine-year small batch, um, you know, or to a Buffalo Trace, like something just a little step up, a little more expensive, um, you know, not that they're not that they're still just drinking the same whiskey all the time, but um, you know, it's not like you're walking in and buying a case of handles of one thing. Like I'm, that's that that's kind of dead unless you're part of the older generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, has, do, it, do you hasn't think, Jake uh, bought a case at your store before? I'm sure he has. Uh, <laughs> store picks though, <laughs> of, of good of good shit though. <laughs> not, not like he's buying cases of handles. Yeah, no. He bought a case of the Hard Truth store pick. Yeah. I mean that that's and, warranted. Uh, the. Uh, the Torabeg uh, rum finish. Oh, the the Mossburn. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the Mossburn. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. coming. Which I think is coming either this. I think it might be coming at the end of this week. Nice. Oh, my God. It was so good. I'm so mm-hmm. excited. <laughs> I know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think uh, that's actually. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the, the question that I want to ask is. Do you think um, we're seeing a shift from those like staples because of the expansion of like the whiskey industry in general, or is it just that people's taste has evolved and 
um, they're no longer looking for like 90 proof, 94 proof whiskey as, as like a staple. I think it's a combination of both. I think the bar has been set higher because of all these great whiskeys and distilleries that have popped up. Um, so, you know, to, to step up from like early times to like a Knob Creek, that's not really a big jump. Um, that's a very small jump with how, you know, how expensive whiskey can get and how hard to find mm-hmm. whiskey can get. Um, but it's a, it's a very small jump with the range of whiskeys that we have available to us. What was the other part of the question? So I, I think the other, I, th- I think that's a, a good answer. Um, I think the other, like my follow up would be, um, I've kind of seen uh, a shift oh. away from, yeah, like, w- we're talking about like lower proof. Um, mm-hmm. I would almost say that even like bottled and bonds doesn't even get like the credit that it used to anymore. Um, it was like, I feel like in the past bottled and bond was considered like the elite whiskey. Um, where now I think some people almost look down on it because it's only a hundred proof and it's not, you know, as complex as, you know, barrel strength offerings or, uh, you know, uh, 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 just the, the other, you know, wide range of products available. Yeah. I mean, I do think we're going to, we're kind of seeing a comeback of bottled and bond a little bit too. Like, mm. like as of recently, there's been a bit more of a, an appreciation, but um, it makes sense why it kind of went away because we didn't, you know, the bottle and bond act was put in place to ensure that the whiskey we're getting was legit. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, you know, in the eighties, nineties and early two thousands, like we didn't have to worry about them adding color or tainting the whiskey with chemicals um, just to make it taste better, speed up the aging, um, you know, so that the term bottled and bond has kind of changed the way we look at it. And I think now like more and more people are, I'm hearing it at least at the store, like people that are like, yeah, you know, I, I got into the barrel proof thing and now I'm kind of going back and just finding my sweet spot back mm-hmm. in like a hundred proof, like appreciate a good bottle and bond bourbon. Yeah. I think part of it too is skewed by a lot of the groups and people we, we associate with too. Cause like if, if I go home, I got a lot of friends at home that are whiskey drinkers, but I'm small town area. So it's still the lower proof stuff, the cheaper stuff that, that goes quite a bit. Um, it's, I, I think that it, we, we've evolved over time, um, with us, with what we like, what we drink more often or not, but there's still a lot of people that just enjoy their simple low proof whiskeys for a cocktail at night or a simple Jack and Coke, or even just a, I, I, I think that there's still a massive market out there for that. And that's why you still see those things in massive quantities. I mean, how much, what percentage of shelf space, Jake, you know, I, I you don't need to know this answer, but. The percentage of shelf space that's shelf space that's devoted to Jack probably hasn't changed too terribly much. It's probably gotten a little bit smaller for some of the other Jack products, but just old number seven probably still takes up a decent amount of space on the shelf compared to what it used to. Yeah, and I mean those are you know those brands like you have to carry. So you're not going to walk into a bar or a liquor store and not find Jack Daniels on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Unless there was some some bad blood somewhere with that store owner or manager or whatever, um, you're not gonna not find products like that. So yeah, I mean they're still it's it's a good go to. It's a you know if you're throwing a party and you don't drink whiskey, 
you're going to grab something that you've heard of that you know, something popular. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like, maybe they aren't, you know, dying, dying, but the the average person our age, um, I mean, look at the wall of whiskey behind Jake. Like, he's not he's not going in and grabbing a Wild Turkey 101 bottle every week just so he can have something to drink. Yeah. I think, uh, Speaking of that, did Jake just buy Wild Turkey 101 on the Gold Eagle app? No. Can you check and see if that came through? <laughs> no, I did but, that. <laughs> but that also brings up a good point because we're seeing Wild, you know, Wild Turkey, Jack Daniels, they're coming out with all these high-end expressions now. They're mm-hmm. realizing that, all right, the young consumer doesn't want to buy just old number seven off the shelf. They want They want all these different options. They want bonded, triple mash, bonded rye. Like they just discontinued their regular ride just to do the bonded rye. Yeah, and I wouldn't even see like necessarily in that case it's high end because it's still a thirty five dollar bottle, and which is still, relatively cheap mm-hmm. in today's yeah. market. So absolutely, yeah. Well, that's like I I think our generation um, has a much different uh, like I don't. We have a higher we, appreciation. We, yeah, and like for whiskey. I think COVID was a big driver in millennials opting to spend more money on alcohol products, um, which I think was also, uh, I think started earlier with the boom of the like microbreweries and things like that, where people are willing to pay like eight bucks or $12 or even like $20 for one beer. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, that kind of stuff. Um, And now with, the the whiskey boom um i think millennials have uh i think a greater appreciation for the actual like flavors and uh you know uh distinctions of of different types of of booze <laughs> to put we're, it bluntly. We're in, yeah we're in it for a different purpose yeah you know whiskey in the pat you know whatever you used it to get a buzz on to get drunk you mix it with coke whatever um but we we have a purpose behind it i mean i drink a lot of whiskey but i also really care about my health which is why when i'm gonna drink whiskey i'm gonna drink something good i'm not just slugging down the same thing every time just to get you know (laughs) just to get through the day so yeah i think we have a higher appreciation um, and, uh, you know, we, we want to explore and we want to learn and, uh, it's, it's, it's more of like a, a hobby and way to connect with people than just right. a way to get drunk and get a buzz on. So, yeah, it's the days of like coming home and like slamming a six pack of Miller light after work, I think are, aren't really yeah. applicable for our generation, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think we can agree. Dan, 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 Dan is all out of Maybe, maybe we can't agree. Maybe I think we no, can. Dan's technically not a millennial, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a boomer. But again, I, I mean, mean, there's a lot of, a lot of us in, What? You know, I mean, Dan, I, you know, there's, there, we still have people that come in every day and grab their six-pack of Miller Lite. Come in yeah. every, every two days and grab their handle of Evan Williams. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's still those people, but they're all older people. And there's going to be outliers. Yeah, a lot of it too is is location and environment that's around you. Because yeah, just going back to my small hometown, it's I mean, shit. When I first turned 21, me and my buddies all landscaped together, 
for the same guy during summer. And every night we'd go home, we'd eat dinner at our parents. I was the only one that was 21. So I'd go grab a 30 pack of bush light. We'd start a fire, drink a 30 pack of bush light that night, go home, go to work the next day and do the same thing over and over. But there's back in smaller towns and stuff, there's still a lot of that that happens. A yeah, lot of it's environment driven. Now so, that you're a mildly yeah, we all successful 50 year old, twenty and twenty one. Right. You did it when you were twenty, Jake. That's illegal. Call uh, the cops. You, bought, you just admitted to buying booze for underage. People. I didn't say. I said I was the only one that was twenty one. And so you I bought a thirty by. rack. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You'd be impressed how quick I used to be able to put down bush light. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I mean, there's there's definitely a shift, I think, in yeah in the, we, we, the overall uh, the overall market. I think, right? I think, yeah, we can agree that the daily drinker is not dead. It's just very different definition mm-hmm. of what a daily drinker is than what it was before. Um, and you know, it's not it, it's a combination of many different things that we've that we've discussed. Yeah. So speaking about a shift. Oh, good segue. Transitioning Bring it home. Bring it home. Transitions <laughs> galore. So barrel bourbon. And what or... sparked this topic? Barrel? Yeah, I was just adding on to your transition. Oh, what a little sparked delayed. this kind of topic here? Break the news, Dan. Come on. You can well, do it. Jake already broke it to start off. Barrel sent us some some uh, wonderful samples. Whoa! Um, with they're now having some cask finish stuff. Cask finish we've talked about before. It's just a different way to add some new flavors into bourbon without having to go back and reinvent your mash and everything every time. Um, so Barrel sent us two different samples. Uh, first one we're trying is cask finish, cask finish series, the Tale of Two Islands. Well, hold up, Which, hold up. Yep, yep, go ahead. The transition was that Barrel was coming out with a daily drinker. Oh, right. I, I was going to go with the shift of the, the shift of Barrel going to cask finish. You were going to go with the shift to Barrel as a ca- uh, daily drinker? Let's do well, it then. Just, just Jake, so, I mean, we don't have a sample of it. Up. Jake, sorry, I didn't know that's the rant you wanted to go on already. I thought we were saving that for the end. Well, so, so I mean, Sour we, we go had, ahead. No, go ahead, Sour we got these samples of, uh, of the cast finishes. Yes, thank you, Dan. Um, but what kind of sparked us to tie these two topics together was that Barrel Craft is coming out with a lower proof, what they call daily drinker option. Mm-hmm. The Founders yeah. series. So, I mean, we were talking before we started uh, recording this episode, our thoughts on that. And I mean, I'm just, I'll be blunt with it. I love barrel craft, but I don't think it's a good idea. Their whole motto is cask strength, you know, innovative blends. Um, and the, the reason the whole distillery started was because they hated when uh, their owner hated when they when distilleries added water to bourbon. He's like, well, let me add my own water. Uh, so before you go on to your little rant here, I just have a pet peeve well, of I mean, calling blenders kind of distillers. Rant. Whatever. Oh my God! <laughs> you you Jeez. get what I'm we, talking about. We we feel that if you don't have your still, it's hard to call yourself a distiller <laughs> because it's hard to distill things when there's nothing to distill the product through. Dis- but anyway, distillery. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which technically is a licensed He hasn't even distillery. been distilling for a year, and all of a sudden it's we, the distillers. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, the group. I was, of I was talking more distillers. of we, we as our company of Whiskey Acres are not a fan of places that call themselves <laughs> distilleries when they don't have a still. Yeah, it's a fair but anywho, point. But... Well, <laughs> anywho. Anywho, so Dan, back to your cask be- finishes. No, no, we'll, we'll stay on your sourpuss brand. So Jake's, Jake's a sourpuss because Barrel came out with a really good tasting whiskey that's not their normal proof point. Um, I tried it at a whiskey event and liked it. Did I like it as much as their 120 proof? No. Did I like it more than a lot of the lower proof whiskeys? Yes, I did. I'm not saying so you can't have a be. good lower proof whiskey, and I'm not saying the foundation is bad because I haven't really gotten a chance to taste it. Um but it's just not like they're it's not them it's not barrel craft they came out with is from like a a principle they came yeah they came out with stellum because they wanted a gateway into barrel and they were like all right we can you know have something a little more affordable with the stellum line and that'll get people turned on to barrel and that didn't really go as planned so now they're looking at uh coming out with a foundation to drag people into barrel I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe it's a great move. Maybe people are going to love it. Maybe they're going to move a ton of volume. Good for them. I'm happy for them. I love Barrel. I you know I don't like talking negative about them. Um, that's just my initial impression. Was it kind of shocked me because their whole entire motto was Barrel proof. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's interesting to me. Strength. Just because they they pushed. They obviously, like you said, they pushed the cast strength. They pushed, um, you know, the Frank. Uh, a lot of their stuff is fairly high proof, um, even for being cast strength, um, and you know, blending and all that stuff. Um, but it, to me, it's kind of striking that they're almost going backwards by trying to release a flagship after they've already well established their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and deviating so much from their brand message by watering down the product. Uh, it's interesting. I haven't tried it yet, so I'm not going to, you know, give any judgment on it. Um, but I, I would agree that it's an interesting uh, and controversial move uh, for a brand that seemed to take a lot of pride in delivering specifically cast strength product. Um, you know, for like the entirety of their existence. Yeah, I, I, I understand that you guys grandstanding behind it because it's not their main philosophy that they, that they came out with. And I, I, I can fully see that. The other side that I like to see of things is let's say this uh, makes them a decent amount of change and they're allowed to grow and do more things and bring us more unique things on the barrel proof side of things. Then it's totally worth it. I agree. Uh, like I said, so, best of luck to them. I hope it works. You know, I hope people enjoy it, but just initially, it, it just really threw me off guard. You know what the price point is on that by by chance? I think it's That's like, like fifty or sixty fifty five bucks, fifty four ninety nine on the shelf. Yeah. What What's the proof? Like ninety four? I can't. I thought it was a hundred. I thought it was a hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, or like ninety five or That's, something. But it's not. It, terrible. it was. Yeah, it was definitely over ninety. Pretty sure it's okay. 100, but we'll... Uh, you good? You got that off your chest now? Well, you know, that was that was the transition into the second part of the episode where, yes, we're going to be tasting barrel. Um, 
that that kind of tied the two topics together. I feel like. So so Barrel was Dan nice <laughs> Barrel was nice to send us some spirits, but after they find out Jake's a sourpuss, who knows if we'll get anything else sent to us from Barrel? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are they one of our two hundred listeners? The, <laughs> They've sent us stuff a few times, the so owner, more than likely yes. The owner of the distillery is uh, one of our five subscribers. <laughs> I mean, they, they uh, keep sending us samples, so that's good. So yes, we love you, Barrel. Keep sending samples. And I, yeah, no. So they got the two different cast finishes. One is the Tale of Two Islands, and the other one is an Amarana finish. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you guys want to talk about the Tale of Two Islands? I'd like to talk about the Amarana. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so I've got my cheat sheet card for the Tale of Two Islands. Um, so the blend components are Indiana whiskeys, a five, six, and nine-year-old, and a Maryland bourbon, that five- and six-year-old. Um, mash bill is 73% corn, 23% rye, and 4% malted barley. It's a decently high rye content. Um, and uh, so Tale of Two Islands basically... Um, there was, uh, they had some Jamaican rum that was uh, finished in peated Isla scotch casks. Um, then they used those X rum, X peated rum uh, casks to finish this blend in. Um, so it's an interesting interesting combination of bourbon rum and isla peat um i will say there's almost no semblance of the peat in this um yeah. i would say maybe on the finish you can kind of tell it's there if you're looking it's a for little it. on the nose if you really dig deep into it there's a little on the nose but it's not it's not like a strong if, if you don't like peat it's not a strong overpowering you're not gonna hardly no, be able to tell don't it's there. don't be scared of this. Yeah, I was going to uh, say I was very I was very disappointed that I didn't taste more peat. As a as a scotch lover, I was so excited for this to come out and when I tasted it, I was disappointed. Oh god, and it's only at 118.22 proof. Oh, their stuff was supposed to be 120. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, on it, the nose, it's, it's, um, it's a really good whiskey. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's a really yeah, good whiskey. It is it's really, really balanced. Um, Jamaican rum is super funky and kind of hard to work with, and I do think to appeal to the bourbon drinker, which is obviously most of their customers, um, they they nailed this one. Um, you get you get the slightest, slightest, slightest hint of peat. Maybe it's not even peat, just kind of like a saltiness. Um, combined with the funkiness of the Jamaican rum, but at the end of the day, it still tastes like a bourbon and doesn't really taste too finished. Yeah, it's um, it's got a lot of the you know, like classic bourbon notes on the nose. Um, there's a little bit of extra sweetness from the rum. It may be some like there's a little bit of like citrusy kind of notes too. Um, Definitely more like than just like your typical. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not just your typical orange. It's like a little some other like tropical kind of fruits. Um, 
and the palette is very well balanced. Like Jake said, um, you do get quite a bit of the rum, um, but it's not overpowering in the way that a lot of rum finished bourbons uh, just become too sweet. Uh, I think this is pretty well balanced. Um, and then to me on the finish, like well into the finish, I get a little bit of smokiness. Um, this is going to sound weird, but it's almost like the day after you smoke a cigar, <laughs> there's like that lingering kind of, taste um but not in a bad way i um, say normally when i think of that that's a bad thing yeah no <laughs> it's like it's uh if you really enjoyed that <laughs> that's like what it's like yeah i'm i'm never a big fan of a lot of finishes um i know i'm just an old old curmudgeon um uh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's i i think the nose on it is great Hold on, my dog's turned around upstairs. Um, <laughs> I think the nose on it is great. I'm not, the finish kind of hits me the wrong way. I get a strong hit of ethanol on the top of the roof of my mouth. Um, and just not a big fan of the finish on it. Yeah, the finish um, is, is pretty heavy on the ethanol. Especially like down in like my throat. I get a, a bit of that like, uh, you know, ethanol heat. Um, I s- I still think it that's drinks... also where that smoke kind of sits for me. Yeah, I still think it drinks below 118. Yeah, man, I wonder what it tastes like at 90 proof or 100 proof. Maybe we should ask them if they can give us a sample of that. Jake, <laughs> don't thoughts? push, don't push it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overall, it's pretty good though. Um, it's uh, I enjoy it more than I thought I was going to. Um, I think the question would be, would I have enjoyed it more if the peak came through more or not? I would have, but they probably would lose so much sales mm-hmm. if the peak came yeah. through more. Most bourbon yeah, drinkers don't like I, peak. I think it's, it's there and subtle enough that if you're looking for it, you can find it. Um, but if you're not, and most people aren't going to be able to pick it out, they just have some, has some association with Pete in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of those like funky notes from the rum too on the finish. Yeah. Like super overripe. Banana. That, yeah. Like ju- the Jamaican staple flavor flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. So yeah. Dan well, onto the Amber. That Anna. one was part Scotch. Scotch, uh, part rum. Uh, the next one is part Brazil with being an Amberana finish. Mm-hmm. Um, Amberana, you're seeing a lot more. It's kind of becoming the trendy finish out there. So there's a lot of people doing it. It's a Brazilian oak that is very unique and very overpowering. I think you're starting to see it trend a lot because it's so unique and gives us such a unique flavor. I think the other reason you see it trending a lot is normally when you're doing a cast finish, at a minimum, you're going to have it in the finishing cast for six months. Most times it's going to be nine months to two years. Three-ish. Three to six months, more so. Over a year, eh. I mean, obviously it depends on what you're finishing, but... Yeah. 
Um, Amberana, you measure that in weeks. Yeah, to your point, yes, it speeds up the finish. Two to two to four weeks, and from what I've been reading on it, is it's basically you're tasting it every day between two weeks and four weeks, because at one point during there, within one of those days, it's going to go too far the other way, Mm -hmm. and at that point, it's hard to bring it back. So, I think you're seeing a lot of it because one, there's a lot of word and buzz out around it, but two, it's quick and quick to do. Um, it's one of the few things in whiskey that doesn't take a lot of time. Um, <clears throat> these well, are always more, I don't know, gingerbread cookies, kind of the normal flavor profile that you normally associate yeah, with Amber Ron. Cinnamony, desserty, carrot cakey, yeah. cream Clove. cheesy, nutmeg, mm-hmm. like all the baking spices, all the desserty spices, everything mixed into one Christmas in a glass. Yeah. That's Amber Ron. There's, there's a couple Amberana finishes I've had that I've liked and a couple that I have really not liked. It's it's very um, polarizing. Yeah. I know people it's, that... I mean, there's, there's certain people that won't even drink it. They tried it once, they won't even drink right. it. I think that's a little yeah. far to go. Um, but yeah, there's if it's done right, I think it's done very well. And if it's done wrong, I think it's it's a pretty big turnoff quickly for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's huge levels when it comes to Amberana. Um, some things are so Amberana overpowered. Some things, uh, you know, just have a little hint of Amberana. And I'm going to jump the gun here and say Barrel nailed it. They did it just right. Like right when everyone's coming out with an Amberana, they come out with something so balanced, so creamy, so approachable. Um, something that is going to get people that, you know, think they don't like Amberana into the category of Amberana. Yeah, it, it's it's extremely well well balanced. Um, like I think one of the other ones we've talked about is the Oak and Eden Amberana finish, um, which is that it probably was the like, most intense. Yeah, yeah. E- easily the most intense one I've had. Um, that's like pure Cinnabon cheesecake, mm-hmm. <laughs> where this is more like um, like kissed with cinnamon and there's like that creaminess uh in there um it's like dusted but you still can taste all of the bourbon notes it's it's not just like overtaken by the the amberana flavors it's like um, uh, so yeah really really well done it's like a cheesecake that was dusted with cinnamon versus a cinnamon cheesecake right yeah my my way of describing this would be if you took a cinnamon a glazed cinnamon roll and just dunked it in a bourbon real quick and pulled it right mm. back out yeah that's kind of what i'm getting on like the creaminess yeah. of the of the frosting and that you'd get the nose smells like super vanilla super vanilla yeah it smells like baking um like cinnamon rolls or um maybe even like apple pie or like something like that um but yeah, the the actual palate is much more subdued than the nose is. Yeah, the nose, the nose. I love I, I love the nose on this. Um, I'm glad it doesn't taste as strong as the nose is. Yeah, I, I think if um, if it if it tasted as strong as the nose is, I think it would turn people off. Um, so I, I think they did a really good job of giving you that like really nice teaser with the nose. Um, but but offering a very like subdued version for the palate, um, 
and definitely trying to highlight the the notes of the Amberana without sacrificing the bourbon flavor. Right. Yeah. Once again, it still tastes like a bourbon. You can tell that there's something different about this, but um, you know, it doesn't scream Amberana when it's in your glass like the oak need. And as soon as you pour it, the whole room smells like Amberana. Yeah. This this by far and away has my favorite finish of an Amberana I've had. Probably one of my favorite cask finishes that I've ever had in terms of the finish on it. Because hmm. it's it's very gentle, um, but it just tastes like you just ate a cinnamon roll. Yeah. It yeah, it's really well done. Um I I I'd have to try the Okanedon again because it's been been quite a while for me, but this is this is definitely one of the best, probably this between this and the Okanedon. Um I I personally really enjoyed the, the Okanedon. Um but uh this is this is more um sessionable i guess than the oak and eden is like the oak and eden is almost so rich that it's like you just shoved like 12 <laughs> donuts and cinnamon rolls down your mouth down your throat and like you can't have more than just like one glass <laughs> no I'm, ju- I'm just picturing you choking on cinnamon rolls now <laughs> um yeah no go ahead Jake. yeah i was this is a good time to drop a coupon code, I guess, for these, um, these, you know, the cast finish series from Barrel. Um, it's going to be kind of a rotating, like one time, one off series. So if you if you do really enjoy these, um, you know, they're going to be available for a short period of time, and then who knows if they'll ever bring them back. Um, but we can do uh, we can do how about Barrel Cask for ten percent off. Um, the Tale of Two Islands, which we haven't gotten in yet, should be coming very soon, um, or the Amberana finish while supplies last. So barrel, cask, and that's with two L's spelled just like the distillery, as Dan likes to call it. The blender. <laughs> yes. The blending house of barrel. <laughs> no, I, if, I'm a really big fan of the Amberana. I, I wasn't too high on the, uh, the Two Islands. Uh, but this Amberana is actually really good. I'm excited to take it into work and share it with a few people as well. So, yeah. Um, but I will I will transition us into plugs, but I'm actually going to plug something here really quickly. Oh, so we will plug Gold Eagle. We will plug Gold Eagle, but before we plug Gold Eagle, we're going to plug Whiskey Acres and Gold Eagle. Because on Wednesday, November 15th, uh, we are doing a master class. We, as in Whiskey Acres, is doing a master class at at Gold Eagle. Which uh, uh, there's still a few tickets available. I was going to say uh, two. I, two. I, yeah, there's still two. I don't think so. Sold out. By the time this episode airs, it's going to be sold <laughs> out. <laughs> there's two seats left. Um, but a better plug for that would be that we're we're dropping something special at the class. Um, and there's going to be some leftover bottles if you don't, if you're, if you don't have a ticket. Yeah. So we will be, uh, dropping the, we did it on, they did the barrel pick on the podcast, the toasted barrel finish, um, at one Oh nine proof. 
Uh, luckily, we didn't come to market as only having barrel proof stuff, so we're not getting shamed by Jake for having a 109 proof barrel pick. Um, it is our uh, third ever cask series finish release. Um, and this one was in a toasted oak barrel for almost two years. It's We dumped it the other week, so it was basically... It's called a five-year because it was in the original cast for just over five years. It's been in oak for just shy of eight years, uh, seven years, ten months wow. um, by the time wow. it got done. Awesome. So it's one of also one of our oldest, if you count time from into a barrel till into a bottle. Um, it'll be one of our oldest releases. Um, but <clears throat> we're cutting it down the last few days. It's smelling really, really good. Really excited about that. Um there are any tickets available for the master class, unfortunately, I'll be the one delivering it. So boo, boo. Can, <laughs> I, I was surprised, Jake, that you didn't call it the semi amateur tasting. Semi amateur tasting. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna do a good job. Like, I also like how I told you that I could bring bloody butcher or blue popcorn, and then I see the thing that we're sampling bloody butcher and blue popcorn. So good on you for that. Well. Uh, I figured we'll taste them all, and I do have bottles of those. So if you can't provide them, I, I got them. I got them. They're all right. So well, I, the blue popcorn's not pulled yet because we haven't dumped it. But uh, there's there's already stuff pulled well, aside. Well, for I, I, I definitely have a blue popcorn bottle aside for the tasting. So if you're supplying a bloody butcher, I can supply the blue popcorn. That's not a problem. Okay. But yeah, we'll be we'll be tasting, and then that night we'll be releasing the barrel pick, and it is uh, very 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 good. So. Yeah, it'll be um, fun. Just don't fall asleep when Dan talks about corn sex for three hours. We all know that everyone's there for corn sex. Like that's <laughs> let's not hide the fact that people want to don't want to hear about corn sex. <laughs> so, um, but Jake, if they want to buy that bottle or if they want to use that awesome barrel coupon code you just gave out, goldeaglewine.com. Where can they go to use that? Uh, or go to the app store, download. Uh... Download our app. You can shop online for in-store pickup and soon buy stuff to be shipped to you. We also deliver within 15 miles. Um, but yeah, check out our website at goldeaglewine.com. Follow us on Facebook at Gold Eagle Spirits. Follow us on Instagram at Gold Eagle Wine. And uh, check, uh, check in for all the daily updates on what we're getting delivered and upcoming events. And use that coupon code. Nice. Yes. What was that coupon was code again? Cask, spelled B-A-R-R-E-L-L-C-A-S-K. Perfect. And Jake, if people want to find us on the listening devices or the watching devices, where can they do that at? Yes, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bourbon Matters. You can watch us on Spotify and YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well, it was fun to talk about some daily drinkers. We want to thank Beryl again for sending us some samples. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you like Amberana, the Amberana is definitely a home run. Yeah. Or if so. you've been turned off by other ones, I would give this, give this one, one a shot. shot. If you don't like this it, one, it very good. you can give up on Amberana. <laughs> yeah. That's, mm-hmm. a fair, that's a fair statement. So, all right, guys, cheers. Let's all keep getting better. Jake, get some sleep with the new little rug rat right. running around. Doing all right so far. That's good. <laughs> Keeping it together. So, so far is the keyword on that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, cheers. guys. Cheers. Cheers.